Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and the crisis has been averted. The Ds are back on the winners list, and our hopes for season 2019 have been rekindled tonight. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Grape Viney, who comes back from a successful trip from Sydney with the four points in hand. Good evening, Grape Viney. Good evening, Andy. Yep, good to be back on uh, back on the winning road and back on the bandwagon again. Uh, you realise you probably, uh, with our superstitious uh, behaviour here at the uh, Demon Land uh, podcast, you might have to stay in Sydney um, to keep up this uh, winning run. I'm not a fan of Sydney, and uh, it, was a st- it was a strange atmosphere at the game the other night, but I'm prepared to do the 1% as if that's what it's uh, going to take. <laughs> All right. Uh, also joining us uh, again, blogger, author, Twitter pundit, Adam 1.0, otherwise known as Super Mercado on demonland.com. Good evening. Good evening, and I'm going to deviate from your comment slightly and say the crisis has been temporarily averted. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm always waiting for the next one to scream from around the corner at 100 miles an hour. Well, next week, I'm sure, if we do have a loss, uh, we'll be back to uh, slashing wrists. But but it's posit- all positive uh, this week. And w- wasn't it nice playing on a Thursday night, getting banking the win early? And I just I, did, I had a lovely weekend. Uh, what about you guys, uh, Great Viney? How how was the weekend banking a win early? Well, it was great for me. Uh, I was uh, actually. Um further up north uh, around Noosa Heads over the weekend celebrating my sister's 40th birthday. So it was uh, sunshine and smiles as far as I was concerned. So, yep, happy days. Super Mercado, how, how was your weekend in, in soaking up a win? Because we don't get many uh, Friday night, let alone a Thursday night, and to get a win early on, it sort of really uh, shapes the weekend, makes it a, a really enjoyable time. Oh, one thing I haven't looked up is how many Thursday games we've actually played because oh, I can't really remember. Can't really remember one other one off the top of my head. Maybe one of the uh, Anzac Day Eve games. Uh, I know there was one of those on a Friday, so I'm guessing potentially the year before that was on a Thursday. Uh, but it was good. It was good to put the feet up and just to start watching the other games with an eye to a, a version of the Bradbury plan where we can work out whose results are going to be good for us at the end of the year. I, I, I got into that after the first win, so... I think you don't want to go premature. I'm not putting a plan together yet, but I'm thinking GWS, uh, I'm thinking West Coast, certainly. They're the teams that can be used. We know they're going to make the finals, so they can be used to take out a few of the people we'll be contending against in the middle of the table uh, to set us up for a run at the finals. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it in that way. Uh, It seemed because of our sort of slow start, and we can get it back on track to the point where uh, we won't need a Bradbury plan, uh, but we may very well need one so yeah i I was sort of keeping an eye on which teams i I, I, and because it's such an even year this year um yeah it's uh some results uh, are going to help us definitely and i think that's that's probably the only thing that should we win this week should we should we lose this week we're back in in it up to our necks uh but should we win this week we are conversely back in it up to our necks in a better way uh, is that the middle of the table is just going to be uh, about a 12-team battle royale for, you know, third to 15th or something. It's just going to be so even in the middle of the table um, that we could either get lucky in and win less games than we did last year and still make the finals, or we could get extremely unlucky where we uh, get tipped out by, you know, 0.01% again. 
So I guess the first thing to do is win the games early in the season now, now that we've got back on track. Uh, although I must say I was reaching for the poison halfway through the second quarter. Um, so to get this win this week that we should win, and I, um, I'm less confident than, uh, than the last time we played St Kilda and we know what <laughs> happened then. Um, but to get these wins and get back on track now, and at least if we can get back to three and three, for instance, um, we will be right back in it. Yeah, I'm still holding. I'm not quite. Uh, I'm still holding out hope that we'll make top four. Uh, I haven't uh, ruled that out yet, but it, it, we've got to win. I think the next three weeks are extremely important. Um, I think we're going to win about the next fifteen weeks. Yeah, well, that's true. But I, I'm taking it three weeks at a time at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the next three weeks, uh, the Richmond one certainly seems gettable, um, given that they're not. Uh, they're not. Uh, you know, knocking down the, you know, playing yep. playing like a team possessed. So, anyway, um, but let's talk about uh, our game before we start that. Though, if you would like to join uh, our program tonight to discuss anything that we do talk about, give us a call zero three nine zero one six three triple six or Skype us at Demoland thirty one. We are looking to hear from Bin Man because it seems every time we get Bin Man on the phone. Um, we do have a win, with the exception of the uh, grapevine. You brought it up today, uh, with the exception of the preliminary final. But did he call in before that? Um, he did. Oh, he I was did. Hoping he did. And D Zephyr raised a good point in the podcast thread as to whether, um, given that we've got a short week coming up, whether we rest Bin Man. <laughs> um, he hasn't had a lot of airtime this year. Uh, we don't want him running out of puff early in the call, or you know. Um, Getting a, a croaky voice, so it uh, could be a, a gamble if we get him on, but uh, one we might have to take, I think. Well, we do have a, a, a f- after this game, we do have a four day break, I believe. Um, is it even shorter than that because of the late game? I don't know. We've got four days, uh, four days between the next game, so uh, we will talk about that about when we talk about the uh, changes for next week. Um, this game, we got the win. Oh, Sorry, I'm just going to go back. Got a few housekeeping things. Um, if you're listening to the show live, join us in our chat room, demonland.com slash podcast. We have got quite a few people listening live, so get in there. You can ask us questions or uh, just make comments and we'll read out ones as we go along. Uh, if you're listening to this at a later time, um, subscribe to the show. You can receive updates when a new show drops and leave us a favorable review. Helps more people find us. Follow us on Facebook, Facebook slash demonland as facebook.com slash demonland31, on Twitter at demonland, on Instagram at demonland31, YouTube, just search for demonland podcast, or just join us at demonland.com, create an account, and you can talk about the Ds 24-7. And now, this game, um, how was it having two uh, proper Ruckman uh, for once? Uh, what did you guys think of uh, Big Prusy's game? Uh, two Ruckman, yay or nay, uh, Great Viney? Uh, well, certainly for the first part of the game, it was a big, big yay because he, I mean, he uh, really set us up in that first quarter. Um, a couple of big goals. Uh, seemed to obviously, um, you know, hurt his shoulder uh, um, and perhaps came out of the game a little bit later, but was still uh, making a contest late, which was impressive given those restrictions. So, look, it was a yay uh, first up. Um, I, I'm not... You know, I'm not 100% sold on the two Ruckman idea yet. I think it'll work in certain circumstances. But, uh, yep, not a bad first hit out. Super Mercado? 
Well, I was all for it, but I think the elephant in the room when it comes to later in the season is when it starts, when the rains come and the grounds start getting heavier, that how are you going to play both of them and McDonald? Uh, if you had a second Ruckman who was also, and you were short on forwards, um, but I, I can't see a situation where we're going to play Gorn, Proust, McDonald and Wiedemann all in the same team uh, when the grounds start getting heavier later in the year. But for now... Um, and this is why I really wanted Bruce in earlier in the season because I thought you may as well, you may as well, if you can ever play them all, you may as well play them all when conditions are dry. Uh, but I thought he was great. Look, he was obviously out for a lot of the second quarter, and I think any time they kicked the ball more than about two or three meters to his left or right, he was in substantial trouble. Um, so there were a lot of shots uh, cut off. Uh, but he did anchor one of the better uh, intercept defenders in the yeah, league. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, to yeah. to a spot and hold him there, which I thought was um, really good and probably a bit hard to understand why Sydney persisted with that. Um, but also what I would say is he created two goals from forward 50 stoppages and I would be interested to know how many we got last year from anyone not called Max Gorn. Um, and that's something I've been saying all year that the benefit of the second Ruckman is that Wiedemann and McDonald kind of give a... They 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 give a uh, contest, but in the forward fifty, it's and I will say it is easy to be a centre bounce ruckman. I saw James Harms get a hit out as a centre bounce ruckman last year. <laughs> you, anyone can do that. The art is in a not just tapping the thing, but tapping it to someone, and that is even more of an art in the forward fifty or the defensive fifty, much less around the ground, where you've got everyone standing around the ball. And I think that's something. Um, that we saw the other night, especially with that uh, goal that Brayshaw got right at the end where Proust has basically made the contest that's just knocked everyone out of the way to open the space for him. That's what we weren't getting last year. So, again, I, I concur with Great Viney that I don't know if it's going to last all year, um, but I certainly thought it, it worked very well the other night. The coach was asked a question after the game uh, whether we would persist uh, with it, and uh, he said yes. I mean... He's not going to give away his uh, his game plan, but uh, it looks like for the moment he'll be in the team. Um, yeah, he took Alir Alir sort of out of the game. It forced uh, Sydney to play a guy like Alir on to on him, um, and it sort of uh, curbed his influence on the game. So uh, for me, that was a win. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen Bruce in the team from round one to at least give it a try. Um, Obviously, that wasn't the case, but he's in now. So for the moment, I'm happy for him to keep keep playing. Uh, moving on, uh, Jaden Hunt uh, has been a success up forward. Five goals in the last two weeks. Uh, Great Viney, happy with that move? Or would you like to see him uh, play back on the wing or on the halfback? Look, happy with it for the moment. I was a sceptic about him going up forward. Uh, but look, he's... He's delivered the goals, so uh, it's hard to argue. It's good to see. He's, I really hope it's a boost to his confidence uh, because uh, a fit and firing Jaden Hunt, I think, is um, is a good player. So whether his future is up forward, uh, I'm not 100% sure, but there's got to be a spot for him somewhere in that team. Um, so, yeah, very happy to see him in uh, uh, back in good form. Super Mercado, Jaden Hunt. Uh... Should, yep, should have happened from round one, and I think it would have happened from round one if it wasn't for Lewis's late withdrawal uh, in the first game that necessitated them throwing Hunt back, where I don't think he's really shown much 
uh, in his feet in this year or last year. Um, he has a couple of sort of turbo runs um, out of the back line, but yeah, that's that's all good. But I would rather I would rather Salem kicking the ball out of the back line than Hunt running it out. Um, and I think he's shown a lot forward. He's a he's a very accurate set shot, uh, which is another another cog in a very accurate collection of set shot kickers. If you add Wiedemann and McDonald to that as well, uh, so I think at the moment uh, it's a very very welcome um, spot, and I'm more than happy to keep him up front rather than doing something like rushing Garlett back into the side um, just to get the recognised small forward. I think the the chase he put on the Swans bloke out of the 50. Yeah, that was that, great. Um, almost, almost mowed him down, but at the very least caused him to, to uh, flub the kick. Uh, that was probably better forward pressure than we've seen for a long time. So I'm, I'm more than happy for him to keep his spot at the moment. Sometimes just those those ones are right. He didn't didn't nail him and get the dropping the ball, but he did put him off the kick, and sometimes that's enough. Uh, that's doing enough, uh, and and also just having that that pressure. So great to see because we haven't had uh, a lot of forward pressure uh, players. Um, so it's good to see. Um, you mentioned uh, both Tom McDonald and uh, and Wiedemann. Both of them still not uh, asserting their dominance into games. Um, I think Tom McDonald had a lot more possessions this week. I think he had 16. He, he took six marks, uh, kicked a goal. Uh, Wiedemann, less possessions. I think he only had nine and, and kicked a goal. I mean, he's got a beautiful kick for goal, um, uh, Wiedemann. But, uh, yeah, and, and I think he laid a great great tackle or a good bump. But, uh, yeah, I'm sort of waiting for both of those to sort of uh, both of those players to to make an impact on the game, and I don't think they have so far. Yeah, I think. Well, you're right. Uh, um, uh, T Mac certainly hasn't returned to the form of last year yet, um, and Wiedemann, look, you know, is always going to be a, a developing prospect in spite of uh, the breakout in the, in the against Geelong last year. So, um, look. It's the absence. It's also the absence of Jesse Hogan in there. Um, there's there's no two ways about it. Yeah, I noticed Tom sort of played played up the field a little bit. Uh, did a few things uh, up the up, yep. up 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 the ground. So that's sort of like what Jesse would do. So yeah, hopefully he can start. Uh, both of them can start taking some marks in the forward fifty and um, and kicking those goals. Uh, Super Mercado. I think with Wiedemann, the thing is, whenever he gets the ball, he does something good with it. Yes. Um, and what we saw in that last month of the last season, uh, probably until the prelim, so the four of the last five weeks, was that he was getting 15 and sometimes up to 20 touches in a game uh, and doing a lot of really good stuff with it. So as long as they can get the ball into his hands, um, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be be a really good player. Um, where I get concerned, again, is that I don't think all season we're going to be able to play Bruce McDonald and um, Wiedemann in the same forward line. Um, so it's just going to be a, a case of who's who squeezes who out um, later in the season. Uh, and I guess you've always got that option with with Tom to put him back into defence. And I, I, let me tell you, during that second quarter last week, I was screaming for him to go back into defence uh, because they looked extremely shaky. Uh, but they, they put it together and they kept it together for the rest of the game and, and kind of... I don't know, almost almost suckered me into to staying with the same defence for next week. But at least there, with him, there's the option. Whereas with, with Wiedemann, um, there's really no other option. And with Bruce, there's really no other option, except in the 
um, in the very dangerous scenario of Gorn not being there at all. Um, so I think they can all play, but it may, if McDonald doesn't start kicking goals, might end in him being the one who, who gets squeezed out of the forward line. Uh, Petraka, I think he's had a much better uh, last two weeks. He's had some good outings. Um, he's starting to hit his straps. Uh, what I noticed, uh, what I, I enjoy, besides the fact that he kicked two goals, I think he had six tackles as well. So um, he's starting to get there. He's uh, not quite having those, those breakout games that we've been waiting for, but. Uh, Certainly playing much better. What do you think, uh, Great Viney? Yeah, I'm not one of those who's waiting for the breakout game. I just want consistent, yep. good uh, form, and I think that's what you know most people would agree on. And yeah, uh, building as uh, as the season progresses, and uh, really good signs the other night. Kick two beautiful goals. Uh, he's got a beautiful kick on the run. I just wish I don't know whether he set shots. It's just a confidence thing, uh, but. Uh, so I don't know what, why you know he has such a beautiful kick for goal when he's running and sort of free, as opposed to when he's having that set shot. Uh, I don't know what the answer is there, Super Mercado. I think the difference this week was they played him further up the ground. Um, again, potentially the introduction of Pruce uh, allowed us to to free Petraka up to play more as a half forward uh, than as a forward. So I, I thought he was really good. Um, and I thought, yeah, the tackles, even the last couple of weeks, even the Essendon game, I think he had about seven tackles. Um, so there's certainly no no question on the, the intent. Uh, it's just the execution. But I, I thought he was one of our best players on the night. Uh, Maxi was dominant uh, in, the, in the midfield, uh, particularly like I think at halftime, I think we had, uh, did you remember what the stat was, the hitouts? It was 20 or was, 30 to two or something? Yeah, it was it was a massive, um, a massive advantage in our favour, but for, I think, the first quarter, the hit-outs to advantage were, were not particularly well, that, good. Yes, so so we had... No one was getting the, on the end of them. He had the massive, uh, that massive, uh, you know, stat, but, yeah, we weren't, I think our clearances were almost identical. That was a bit worrying. I mean, how how worried were you guys just before, sort of, half-time before Jonesy sort of went wild? Um, were you worried? Because I, I thought... They should have been a lot further up. They missed a lot of easy goals. Um, so I think when they were 22 points up, I think they probably could have been 30, you know, 36 points up and had a good lead on us. So I don't know. Were you guys worried? I was more resigned. Resigned to uh, the end of the season. So <laughs> I'm very glad that, that they managed to pull it out of the, the fire because I, I did think to myself, we are actually playing well. But we've put ourselves in a situation where even if we get screwed by the umpires at the end or make a stupid decision and lose the game, that's basically going to be the season out the door. Um, so I, and I always hate it when we have to come out of those, dig out of those really deep holes because it leaves you with less room for error. Unfortunately, in this case, it came off. Uh, most times when you go more than four goals down, it doesn't come off. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I was more, I was upset, but it was more a resignation of, that's the end of the season. So I'm really glad they managed to get it together. And it was really good to see see Jonesy, who's copped some pretty unfair um, criticism, I reckon, this year, um, be the one to, to spark the team. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, that, you know, that sort of return, he kicked you know, some beautiful goals, a very captain 
uh, captain type stuff. Great to see him back uh, in form and also giving it to his brother as well. Um, because I think for most of uh, Jonesy's career and playing you know, against his brother, I think his brothers had the had the wood. Well, certainly his teams had the wood on on him. So it's great to see him get uh, that one back. Yeah, really important goals at an important time. So uh, um, stuck it up the doubters and rightly got. I think he ended up with a nine vote. So um, coaches vote. So he and Max were were joint best on ground in the in the eyes of the coaches. George on the outers asked, did we play better because it was at the SCG and thus uh, less exposed on the outside? I think the answer to that will probably come Next Saturday week. afternoon. Exactly. Uh, when we return to the G. Um, I haven't checked the weather, but, um, yeah, St Kilda can run. They've exposed us that way before, so... Let's see what happens on the weekend, I think, before we make the call on that one. Oh, team might need to move to, to Sydney or, or Super Mercado to your favourite uh, ground. Um, Fortress Shithole. Yes. <laughs> um, I was, I'm just having a look at what the uh, weather forecast is uh, for Saturday. Are we playing Saturday? Yes, Saturday. Yep. It's 27 uh, degrees and sunny. Yeah. So it's a nice uh, last time we had a game either. in those conditions, we we had a good first 20 minutes and then went missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Mind we... you, that's same the last time we played St Kilda, we had a good 20 minutes and then went missing. So That's true. Things mm. to work on. Exactly true. Uh, Billy Stretch, what did you think of his game, Super Mercado? I'll start with you. Did he do enough to, to remain in the team? Yep, I would say absolutely. Like it wasn't a spectacular yep. performance by any stretch of the imagination, but I think if you compare him to say what Colin Jasney had been doing, and it's not a knock on Colin Jasney because I think he's still, you know, on a, he's still um, coming back to um, health as well. But I thought he was much safer and much, yeah, I, th- I just thought he was much more composed, uh, and it was good to see him kick on after he got thwarted after his best game of his career last year. Uh, great Barney. Thoughts on I'm going uh, to pass on this one. I found it very difficult to watch the game from uh, my vantage point behind the goals, um, one level up among a, uh, what do you call, a nest of Swan supporters who basically weren't watching the game and were talking throughout <laughs> it. So, uh, And we were sort of closed in too, so you only had limited vision. And, uh, yeah, it was difficult for me to see what was going on, uh, particularly down the other end, I've got to say. Were you at the chairman's function? I was at the chairman's function. And I met our president. I met our CEO. Um, I didn't get anything out of either of them. It, so I've got nothing to offer in that regard. You, you didn't organise uh, an interview with uh, Demoland. That's uh, very poor. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, um uh, I was a bit taken taken uh, by surprise, so yeah. I, I didn't think of that, to be honest. So you were in their, their chairman's functions and you ended up sitting behind the goals. How, what, what, can't well, their chairman get some that's, good that's seats? that's the Sydney vibe for you. They're yeah. not too fussed about the game. It's all about drinking um, and, uh, yeah, it's a night out, basically. So um, I did get singled out, actually, in the chairman's address, Um as being one of the few Melbourne supporters in the room because I did have my scarf on. So uh, at least I was flying the flag. Great. If not observing I, the game. I thought it was a bit optimistic putting a Thursday night game on in Sydney. Uh, it did seem to be a lesser crowd than they would normally get at the SCG. 
Um, I think it looks like Adelaide's probably the, the best place for these Thursday night games, but I guess they can't do them there every single week. But it, it did seem you were, there was a lot less people there than there would normally be for a Swans game. I couldn't... Yeah, I couldn't look, I'm not... Sorry, Andy. you go. I just couldn't tell uh, whether the crowd was poor because uh, Sydney had hadn't had such a good start to the year, um, and therefore supporters weren't coming out, or whether it was because it was a Thursday night in Sydney and they don't care. No, I think the Thursday night makes a difference. Uh, you know, um, I I went with friends who've got a a, a young child, and um, it was touch and go for them because it's a school night. So I think it makes it really difficult for families uh, with little kids and it makes it really difficult for those that are living sort of outside the city, basically, because it's a, it ends up being a very late night. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think we've got another Thursday game this week, don't we? Um, so the AFL is really keen on them. But I think, yeah, you, I I think like they them. did it last year. I think the first uh, in the first six, seven weeks, uh, don't yeah. quote me on that, yep. they had the Thursdays and then they stopped and then there was a couple littered throughout the, the year here yep. and there. That's right. Uh, but not many. As it was mostly at the beginning of the year and it's the same this year. I uh, haven't looked uh, too far ahead. I, I don't think we've got another one this year. I think we've only got one more Friday night game uh, for the rest of the year. Super Mercado, you might know that better off the top of your head. Um, no, I, I just – all I know is that it's all about the broadcaster, which is, to, in a way, fair enough because they're the guys writing the billion-dollar-plus check uh, to, to show the game. But, yeah, it's really they, – they don't care what the crowd is. We to have, be honest, like we, as long as there's as long as there's enough people there that it's not embarrassing, yeah. I think the AFL's happy enough that the uh, the broadcasters are loving it um, on the Thursday night and getting good ratings. Uh, versus, yeah, as long as there's enough people in the ground that it's not laughable, they don't care. We have um, two Friday night games to go. We've got uh, West Coast in round nine over there, and then we've got uh, Sydney later on in the year at the MCG. But having a look at the, um, I didn't realise this, and maybe I did when the draw came out, but round eight and round nine, uh, we're travelling two weeks in a row. We've got Gold Coast and then uh, Perth. Uh, so thank you, AFL, for, <laughs> for that. Uh, and and don't forget the round 23 clash in Hobart. Yes, yes. Yeah, just when, it, when it's all on the line, let's go <laughs> yeah, to a ground right. that has Casey Fields-style <laughs> wins. Yeah. Uh, against a team that knows how to play those wins. Uh, exactly. Well, that that's good luck to North for selling games to a place where they can actually benefit from it, as opposed to <laughs> yes. us who sells games to places where you uh, wreck the team for a week a week after as well. Yeah. When now we've got uh, we've got a caller on the line. Good evening. Uh, who am I talking to? Uh, good evening. Talking to Bin Man. Oh, Bin Man. How are you? Thank goodness uh, you did call in um, because I couldn't. Uh, I don't think I could sleep tonight if I didn't know that we had B-Man. Uh, good luck, Charm, uh, calling in. How, how are you? Uh, a very relieved Melbourne fan, that is for sure. Um, I can't recall. I don't think I've, I've barracked Melbourne for, well, for forty more than 40 years. And I don't recall ever a round four game with so much tension. I was just so, like that whole sort of dynamic, if we lose this, our chances of, well, forget top four. Was such a critical game, and I was, I was really stressed at halftime. After that, I felt that we were, you know, we looked a better team, and I was really impressed actually how we um, we held the ball in that last quarter. We didn't need to kick away, but we were quite mature in the way I thought that we um, 
maintain possession and didn't really let them get close. But geez, I was stressed in the lead up to half time. Oh, definitely. Um, anyone else? Any anything uh, that we've talked about tonight stand out? Any of the players we've we've spoken about, or any any other players you you want to talk about? Or I, I, there's actually been a few comments that I've sort of nodded my head. I think great findings come in. I, I really think we've we miss Hogan a lot. Like I've got a lot of time for Wiedemann, um, but he he didn't impact the game much. And interestingly, I thought his best patch was when Proust went off with the shoulder injury at the um, end of the first and into the second, where he got a run in the ruck. But prior to that, he he really doesn't impact the game in the way Hogan does. He didn't doesn't get possessions. But um, what I, as you pointed out, his kicking is fantastic, and that kick. That free kick was there, uh, and I thought the umpiring to be, you know, last week we were critical. This week they were terrific. There yeah. were one or two, but I thought it makes such a difference to a game of footy when the umpiring is good. Um, he got that free kick, and I was so confident he was going to kick that, and it was a critical time because they were pushing, uh, and it just gave us that cushion. Um, so I think that's a huge thing for a forward. Um, I thought the Wagners played well. Yep. Um, that gut running is really, I mentioned last week, there's, the critical issue is our gut running across. So, um, you know, footy's in a really interesting space at the moment with this all this discussion about the two styles. And Melbourne are definitely in the chaos, chaos style, um, but you need to run and cover, and that's why they're in the team. So, um, you know, I thought there was a couple of other examples where um, we sat outside the contest. There's goals that um, Jones and Viney also got a really important goal. Yep. Both of the times I was sitting outside the contest where previously we've all gone into the contest. So, yeah. um, you know, I thought a good coaching effort by Goodwood. Uh, yep. what, what did you think? And also the other boys, if you want to chime in, uh, Marty Hall uh, had, had quite a bit of the ball. Uh, but there are a lot of people on Dean Land have been critical of his disposal. I, I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, and I thought he, he, you know, took a few... Sort of good marks in defence. I think he had nine all up, uh, 20 possessions all up. Um, I thought it was a good game. Oh, he was terrific, I thought. I mean, in the first half, I was tearing my hair. I was going bananas at our kicking. I mean, Tom McDonald was a classic. You know, talk about putting him back. He'll drive people bananas. <laughs> he goes back. He missed Jones. It was just one of those 30-metre less, 25-minute chip kicks to Jones. Missed it and missed Jones by a metre and it went out of bounds. That was symbolic of how we were playing. And to be honest, Hall missed a couple as well. But his reading of the flight of the ball yeah. and his intercept mark is what we really lacked. That's what, I mean, people talk about, I get a bit frustrated with this discussion about us needing to be one-on-one. I, I put on Demonland a little while ago that, you know, Goodwin's got a style, it's an intercept style, it's a zone defence. That's the, the approach he's taken. And Hall filled that gap that a player like we brought in uh, Lever for specifically that role, not to play one-on-one. I mean, we saw how poor Lever is one-on-one. And I thought Hawes' reading of the ball was terrific and a, a really big factor in the win, actually. Um, uh, what did you guys think of um, of Frosty on, um, on Buddy? Um, I, I thought he was good, but I wasn't sure if, if Buddy is... Um, a bit out of, you know, I don't know if he's he's just out of form. Uh, I don't know. He looked maybe even a little bit overweight, looked a bit chunky in his jumper. Um, is this a case of him not, not training? I remember hearing a report last year. Um, what do you guys think of Frosty? 
I think if you go back and look at our game and don't watch the whole thing because you'll go mad, the last time we played Sydney at the MCG last year, it was pretty much identical to that. Uh, I thought he did very well in keeping him up the ground where Franklin was forced to try and launch, you know, 50, 60 metre bombs all the time, um, except for that one goal he got from inside 50 where it basically fell into his arms. He did very well to keep Frost away, but effectively the mark fell into his arms. Yep. And the same thing last year. This year he kicked, you know, 2-4 last year and he kicked 1-3 this year. Uh, I think Frost did a really good job on him um, in a horses-for-courses style way. I'm not sure that's going to translate this week against St Kilda's less high-profile, but let's oh, say <laughs> more, more uh, committed to training forward line. Um, I'm not sure it's going to translate again, but I think it's a perfect matchup um, for Frost in this team. That, that we'll talk about later with that Bruce and Membry. They they always have a day out against us for some reason. They're the Kent Kingsleys. They're our Kent Kingsleys. Um, B-Man, are you there? I wasn't sure if you um, got disconnected. Oh, no, no. Oh, no I was there. there and I, I mean, I concurred with Super McCart. I mean, geez, he did his job, didn't he? I think the the thing for, um, it's a good point, you kicked 1-4 or something the last time we played it, you kicked 1-3 the game would have been different if kick 4-1, for instance. Um, I mean, he's a fantastic player, fit or not. And I thought um, Frost did a manful job. He was on him. He, he rode him hard all game. And I think that it's also a good point. He, he's a really good matchup for him because he's, you know, um, he can go with him on that lead. He, he could stay with him. And he's really about the only player in our team who's strong enough to... May notwithstanding, but um, May's not the team strong enough to even try to go one on one against Franklin. So now, uh, poor Oscar McDonald cops it a lot on Demon Land. Uh, he copped it again this week. Uh, what's his what's his role going to be going forward? Uh, particularly with uh, May coming back and um, Lever coming back into the team. Um, you know. Prior to this year, I would have thought, you know, from the coach's perspective, Oscar was one of the first picked every week. But I, I don't know if his form is going to warrant it. But I also know that the coaching staff love him. I can't see him being dropped. But do you guys have thoughts on, on uh, that? I think he's being written off uh, too soon by too many. Yeah. Um, uh, we've, he's got a solid body of work behind him, Oscar. Um and yes, he hasn't had a great start to the year, um, as most of the back line hasn't. But uh, yep, I'm not selling my shares in him just yet. Yep, no, fair enough. And I think right, at I'm... the moment, unless you, unless you throw Tom McDonald back, then is really, I don't know, I, I don't see a, a situation potentially this week. And where St Kilda don't have that massive array of um, tall forwards. Uh, they've got a couple of sort of medium to tall forwards who always seem to stitch us up. But they're, if any, if any of this going to be a week, this could be the week to uh, to give him a rest or send him back to the twos to try and get some confidence. Because he looked, when uh, I think it was Heaney took that mark on him in the second quarter, he looked like he wanted the ground to open up and swallow him, mm. which is not a, not a complete, um, you can't write it off at the SCG because the way it looked. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think the problem is, yeah, when May and Lever come back, he's not playing. Uh, just... oh, I disagree. He will. He will. He will play. And that was really interesting. That Heaney mark because who was the other person in that contest? Do you recall? Was it Fritch? I can't remember. But um... that's right. Yeah. People won't remember. People remember Oscar. 
because they have this visceral reaction to him. He It wasn't his man. He knew, We've been cut up in the last three weeks by small forwards. His man was Reed. His man got one mark inside 50 and kicked one point. Compare that to, um, uh, of course, Franklin is a much better player than Reed. But he did his job. He didn't get massive possession. He went off at three-quarter time with concussion. But his backman role is a one-on-one ruckman, uh, player. He's not an intercept marker. He's too slow for that. Um, and he gave Reed, who was their other key forward, who needed to fire for them to win that game. He gave him a bath. And that's what the coaches will look at. Um, and so, you know, you toss it up and down and say, you know, why they keep picking him. They pick, keep picking him, I can only assume, because he does what he's asked, he's been asked to do and does it relatively well. Great finding is correct. He hasn't had a fantastic start to the season, but unlike others, he also had postseason surgery. Everyone else seems to get a, you know, that, that's yep. an excuse a pass, that yeah. gets trotted out, but not for him. Yeah, it's a very good point. And Dee Zephyr just uh, uh, commented in the chat room that it was Wagner who failed to keep Heaney away from Oscar in that contest. But who cops it? Oscar yep. cops it. Yeah, because he's the... Uh, he's the no doubt but he, he did have a tell in this case. He, the look on his face was like... Uh, it's like when a player a player has that look on their face where they think they've given away a free kick and then it turns out they haven't. It was... Um, yeah, it, it didn't look initially like his fault, but the look on his face, no, I can see why people automatically went to, to it being his fault because he just looked like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to cop shit for this one as well. Um, and I think that's a position when, when a player gets to that level, that's when someone hopefully is putting an arm around him somewhere and giving him the exact same kind of pep talk that Bin Man you just gave uh, to highlight what he's doing well and to encourage him, for the love of God, not to search for his own name on Twitter and see what people are writing about him. Yeah, I think if you're an AFL footballer, I don't think you should be searching for your name on Twitter. But they do. They do. <laughs> Believe me, it's not, not my... But I know people, many a person who's, uh, you know, gone for a bit of a snarky comment about an opposition player and they've, they've, got a, they've chipped in or they've got a passive-aggressive like of their tweet from that, from that player. Uh, Phil Davis, you know who you are. <laughs> Um, I know several of our players a few years back were even during the the depths of the uh, the Great Depression era uh, were very keen on searching their own names, um, which just seems insane to me. Uh, I think there's there's a TV show where it said social media is like opening a opening a door to a room where everyone's telling you how shit you are, um, and I think they should that should be the first lesson players get when when they join the club. Um, now, I think we may have lost both of our other co-hosts, uh, Super Mercado. I can see... Ooh, yeah. That sound, that sound yeah. suggests... Because uh, we, also, we also lost, um, uh, we also lost um, connection to our live stream, and that is because it's uh, my, uh, Telstra. I'll blame them, my home internet. I've got you on my phone, so it's going through, uh, it's going through the, the 4G... On Telstra, so I'm just going to tether up my phone to my computer so we can get the live stream back and we can get our uh, co-hosts uh, back on the line. You need uh, the emergency tape to play at this time. <laughs> yeah. de- 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 I, I, I was in the car a couple of weeks ago driving home and it was the, might have been the Hawthorne North Melbourne game and I was listening to the Triple M coverage and as the last quarter started, it died. It went straight into the uh, the the music they started playing 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> in a none more Triple M fashion. 
Um, and I kept turning back every every couple of minutes just to see, like, surely they fixed this by now. And it was about 10 minutes into the quarter by the time that someone actually found, uh, you know, how, how whatever it happened to actually fix it. Um, so I think you, you should have the same thing. You should just have that, re- that tape ready to roll when it cuts off. Well, I think, uh, I think what actually happens... Um what actually happens, it goes back with the way it's set up. We've got, uh, it, it, it will go back to when when the show's not on, it plays all of our interviews that I've got lined up. So it would have, the stream would have kicked onto that. But now I think our stream is back. We're back online. I'll get uh, Grapeviney. Just turn down the Skype sounds. I'll see if I can get Bim Man back if he wants to keep contributing and uh we're, yeah we can keep going and i might even delete this out of i might even keep it in there <laughs> delete it out of the uh thing so no one will know what happened g'day bin man welcome back it wasn't <laughs> wasn't you it was my internet connection i'm now tethering off my phone uh let's see how that holds up with three different connections uh have we got great Viney back back on deck back on deck and, and bin man you are there I am, and are you sure it wasn't to do with me being cut off when I was starting to get a bit animated about um, Oscar McDonald? No, no, it definitely wasn't. It was uh, <laughs> d- definitely had to do with uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that to you. I'm not uh, going to censor you. Uh, we are back. Uh, I'll bl- I'm going to blame my tell uh, this. Uh, they're doing the MBN in my area. Uh, we haven't switched over to MBN, but while they've been doing this thing, it's just almost every day. There's internet outages. Uh, it's just uh, an absolute cock up, and I'm not actually looking forward to. I've just heard. Is any of you guys on the MBN? Because I've just heard horror stories uh, about nope. it. Oh, I am. I'm on the fiber, whatever the good one is, and it started in the first few months was absolutely terrible. Uh, but they seem to have got their got their act together now, and there's not as many random speed drops where it just goes from maximum speed to, you know, 1998 speed at the drop of a hat. So good luck with that. Well, I, I'm dreading it because we've got cable here, and I don't want to let let it go. I've got a good thing going, so I don't know why I have to change over, but apparently I do. Not looking forward to it. Um, Anything else from the game? Any B man? Anything else uh, that stood out for you? You want to bring up for our listeners? And I think I've lost him again. I oh, know we haven't. He, he hasn't tripped the Oscar McDonald uh, file again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that, that might be on his end because uh, I've got still got Grave Viney here. Uh, Grave Viney. Anything else from from this game? Uh, no, I think that covers it. Good to see Clayton Oliver. Um, yeah, Clayton Oliver's playing well. Yeah, he's had a he's had a good start to the season. Thirty three possessions, uh, not not bad at all. Um, yeah, very good. Uh, Can we talk about great first goals for the Melbourne Football Club? Uh, yeah, uh, Bruce. Bruce. Yeah, wasn't it? I mean, I think uh, he just kicked it and hoped. Uh, but yep. it's a goal, and that's um, and and actually, uh, so Petraka was nominated. I think we. Just lost Bim Man there. If he does want to call back, he's welcome to do so. Um, Petraka was nominated for goal of the year, but I thought Pruce's was much with a much better goal. Yeah, yeah and, and it had that um, yeah. element of ruck work again in the forward fifty, where he saw it dropping short and burnt off. You know, to be fair, he was wasn't playing against a ruckman no. 
he wasn't contesting as a ruckman. But um, he read it perfectly, and then, like you say, yeah, he just threw it on the boot and hoped for the best. But gee whiz, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think back to a few great um, first goals. The first one I ever remember in my supporting life was Andrew Lamperell. Yep, yep. first kick, uh, first with, goal with his first kick from the pocket, and in a game where I've I've never seen that again. So I would love if that's if that's on someone's you know VHS or something like that. I'd love them to pull that goal out. Um, so we can get another look at it because I, it can't be half as spectacular as I remember it being. Uh, I was just, just putting Andrew Lamperell into uh, into into uh, into Google uh, to see if that comes up, but uh, uh, no oh, doubt wait, it's it's it Demon Wiki and about ninety seven mentions of his goal on my blog. There's a oh that can't be uh, Andrew Lamperell on debut. Uh, this is a Brisbane Lions Twitter. Why would that be on that? Uh, it's got here. Surely a contender for the... Oh, no, someone's... Uh, <laughs> it must be you replying to it. Yep. <laughs> Brisbane said, uh, Brisbane, surely a contender for best first AFL goal. So you must have replied saying, surely An- Andrew Lamperell, but I can't find it. That was in the uh, in the description on Google. Yes, um, I've got to see. I can't see why I'd be just writing comments to the Brisbane Lions, but uh, any any excuse to talk up Andrew Lamperell? <laughs> Um, yeah, the fantastic. Oh no, it wasn't you. It was someone else uh, saying Andrew. There you Lamper go. There's on, more than on there's more than one of us. The best. Yes. So there you go. Um, uh, all right. So uh, but we'll, we'll move on. We wrapped that when no longer on the bottom of the ladder. Uh, wasn't nice to open up the paper or look at uh, look online and see the ladder and see us on the bottom. It's it's not a not a nice feeling. So it's nice to be off uh, finally. Thanks, Carlton. <laughs> yes. And no, it was actually, first it was thanks to North Melbourne. Um, despite them getting the win, they didn't uh, get the necessary percentage boost to overtake us. So, uh, yes. Well, it would have been an outrageous scenario to have after round four, if should Carlton have actually put someone back on the line, um, to have every single team in the comp having a a win and a loss. I think everyone would have had a win loss at this point as well. Wouldn't they? It certainly would have been everyone having a win by round four is pretty rare these days. You usually get a few teams, often us, um, well, you know, plow plow through seven or eight weeks before they have a win. Um, and I guess we still can now, thanks to Carl. Well, there was that stat about the. I think it's there hasn't not that uh, common for by round four to have um, every team on had, having had a loss as well. So it also works the other way around. Yeah. So it's, you know, for all the ongoing whinging about there not been enough scoring, um, it is actually a very even even competition. Well, what do you think? They bought in this uh, 666 um, to increase the scoring and clearly, uh, you know, the results speak for themselves. Uh, scoring is definitely, definitely down. So is that a failure by the AFL so well so far from the random sample that we've got because um, they correct me if I'm wrong the the whole reason for 666 was to increase scoring or or to or to reduce congestion and therefore uh, increase the scoring but really to increase the scoring yeah and um, yep. look I think from my perspective to increase the, the number it, of ads, basically. I wonder how low the yes. scores would be if they hadn't done it considering how often goals have been scored out of the middle, but the thing is, if scoring is your is your ultimate goal in life, which to me it's not, how does having that at the bounce help when if it breaks out of the middle, it goes forward, a guy marks it, kicks it back into the middle of the ground, 
then your 666 is over. Yeah. Unless someone scores from the immediate exit out of the center, then it, what influence is it going to have? And to me, I was actually quite glad that that's how conservative they stayed in the end because I didn't want them to do that. I didn't want them to do anything. I would just let it roll and, and you know, see what happens in the future. Uh, but it was almost the, the reason I could handle it was I knew it wasn't going to make a big difference to the game. Um, and it hasn't. And yeah, if, if the, if the ultimate goal is scoring and unfortunately it will be because that's what gets channel seven to put another zero on the check, um, they're going to have to do something else. And I, and I really hope it's not something that rips the fabric of the game up just for the sake of uh, keeping some TV executives happy. Yeah, um, there was someone on Demonland that suggested that um, that they have six 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 for the entire game. Was that the grapevine? Was that the gist of it? Was that the gist of it? It was. Yeah, was he sort was of someone s- who created about ten threads in the space of uh, in the yeah, space yeah. of a few minutes? So I'm not sure. Look, I'm glad they haven't done that, <laughs> and uh, I'm with Clarko on this. Um, Clarko. Um, and he might have been dirty after their loss on the weekend, but um, it, we cha- we're making these rule changes every single year, and the people who are making them have got no idea how they're going to play out, and we're tinkering with a very good product, and it hasn't increased scoring. And, look, I've, I'm in the camp that the footy this year hasn't really been... Um, all that flash. There hasn't been a game that's stood out. Um, to me, I've watched most games, uh, most weekends. Apparently the Essendon-Brisbane game on the weekend was, was good to watch. I didn't see it. But I haven't enjoyed watching the footy this year, um, you know, as a as sort of a neutral watching other games. Um, so I, I don't think it's working, no. It's time to bring back the rush behind. <laughs> Yeah, I saw you mentioned that on uh, Twitter. So, what are you what are yep. you saying that uh, the 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 ones where where the, the ones where it's taken over just, by a player? Just let it let them kick it through from forty meters out if they want, like uh, someone did one day. I think it was one of our players did it one day. I reckon it was the the Kevin Sheedy last game that we lost at the end, um, and I reckon it was Nathan Brown just got it from like thirty meters and just thumped it through for a point. Now that you're letting people um, exit the fifty easier. Um, if a team wants to to drop a point uh, and gamble that that's going to help them get the quick exit that allows them to bounce down the ground in three goes and go out the back, as they say, let them do it. You know that takes out one adjudication that people and umpires have to have to decide, deliberate or not deliberate. It takes out one thing for fans to sook about for the cost of what a guy whacks a point through. Who cares? That's a free point for the it's a free point for the total score. Um, and it's it's a team basically gambling. It adds that extra tactical level on it of do we want to concede the point and set up and go again versus the game getting bogged down in the back pocket by people gathering the ball and because they can't rush it, they just get tackled on the boundary and then we have a throw and then the ball gets stuck down there for five minutes. Um, I reckon I, you know, you've got to put some control in to avoid that situation that got it banned in the first place where the guy was just playing on and turning around and, and um, you know, rushing behinds. Um, so something like, you know, it's got to, it's got to touch one of your, it's got to touch another player first before it gets rushed or something like that. 
So there's got to be some kind of control. But at the same time, uh, if teams want to concede points these days, if the idea is for them to kick goals, I think a lot of teams probably would do that to get that set up and then just go bang straight down the other end to kick goals. Uh, what do you think about if, if they have a rule change uh, where kicking backwards is, is to play on? Would you be uh, open to that? or? Oh, I personally, I wouldn't you know, put my head in the oven over that. Like It wouldn't be as bad as the full ground 666, which is just one of the worst ideas um, in history. Like imagine the ball just just like bouncing you can't. towards <laughs> yeah towards a forward who's stuck behind the, the, the Marcel Marceau, um, you know, fake wall yeah. and can't walk outside the 50 with the ball just sitting like a foot ball. away from him. Um, it's the stupidest thing of all time. So if you said to me, yeah, a kick backwards is play on, I, I, I could handle that. But I still, I still think that it's not going to save the game. If, if there is a, if there's a mystical version of the game that we're all supposed to be aiming for, um, that's not going to save it. And quite frankly, I don't think anything is going to save it. Like people have got this um, fetish that footy used to be better at some time uh, in the past, but no one can quite pinpoint exactly what that time is. Some people think it was the seventies. Some people think it was the eighties. Some people think it was the nineties. Um, and I don't know how now there's any chance of going back to that. So I personally would rather would rather have as few regulations as possible, um, and just wear the fact that not every game's going to be a classic. Um, finish aside, no one could possibly have gone into Gold Coast Carlton expecting that it was going to be an exciting game of football. There's going to be shit games, and that's probably the reason why people thought the '70s, the '80s, the '90s were awesome because. In the 80s, you weren't watching Fitzroy versus Melbourne uh, in its entirety on a Saturday afternoon in front of your television. Unless you were there, you were seeing five minutes of highlights maybe. Um, Whereas now, you can watch every single game. So you sit down and watch nine games a week. You're going to see crap games. Sure, there might be more crap games than than you would want there to be. um, But I think it's just a a natural um, thing that you're not going to get entertained all the time uh, and I would prefer to see, yeah, like I said, as less regulations as possible um, and let the game evolve. Uh, Big Man says he likes the idea of a play on uh, when kicking backwards, but only in the defensive 50 metre arc. Yep, I can see that. But uh, yeah, I, again, that's not, yeah. that's not um, so radical that it would stuff things up. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think it's going to, it's going to really help. Um, and even then, arguably, does that stuff up switching, which is something that gets the ball back into space versus just, okay, if I'm, if I'm got a guy across the ground, but I'm worried about kicking it to him, um, now I'm just going to kick it down the line and we're going to end up with the stacks on for the next 10 minutes anyway. So that's the thing. They, all these, everything they do is like pulling one lever that has like a mysterious... Um, effect on another, on another lever that that they can't quite um, you know even it out so that we get to where we want to go. They just need to stop pulling the levers. I mean, it's, <laughs> this is it's ridiculous. And unpull some levers, re put some levers back to their original position. Do you think they'll ever go back to the non six six six, or do you think they're just too? Um, well, it's not narcissistic to to think that they 
that's not the right word, but that they can't have been wrong. They don't want to <laughs> have been seen to have been wrong to ever go back to it. Do you think they'll go back to it or they not won't immediately? Admit? And I hope that they don't let it sit for a while, whether it's you know a year, two years, three years, and then if it really is an issue and scoring's dropped off significantly and is staying low, then perhaps look at stripping it, uh, taking it away again. But, I don't, I don't think know. the 666 is the reason why the scoring's lower this year. Because, like I said, if in look at the Carlton game, so you had, what, eight goals apiece, let's say, and then four quarters. He only had 20 centre bounces for the game. So you can't blame the fact that it was a 58-56 game on a rule that only occurs 20 times a game and for, say, 200 seconds a game, 10 seconds either side of a centre bounce. Um, I don't think the 666 has had any impact, except if anything, it's probably had a positive impact because you have got those goals where teams are just pinging straight out of the centre. So like I said before, God knows how low the scoring would be if they hadn't done it. But unfortunately, it's not good enough that it's going to satisfy them and we're going to get some other rubbish at the end of this year. I don't like those goals taken straight out of the centre. And when I watch them, I get the feeling that it's artificially, it's been artificially created by this rule change. Um, and look, it's supposed to, it's it's meant to be um, uh, advantageous to our side, but we haven't seen that happen yet. But uh, yeah, it looks to, I don't like that. Oh, I yeah, no, I, I agree. It's like, it used to be a thrilling scenario when someone actually did do yes. that. And now yes. you kind of feel it's just, you're right. It is artificial. It's it's just like they're just trying too hard to be what the broadcaster wants them to be. And again, the broadcaster writes a enormous check. Like the broadcaster spends about you know 1.2 billion dollars more than I do um, on the game. So I understand where they're going from. Um, but unfortunately, it's we're just going to be set for this for years to come because I would like obviously Channel Seven. They want goals. That's all they want. They wouldn't care if it was a basketball shootout where it was just goal, 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 goal. Uh, but I don't think the fans would want that. There would be a certain point where the fans are going to go, oh, this is bullshit, like whatever happened to defence. So you're going to get that balance where it's great for Channel 7 that they can play ads, but if it gets too ridiculous, there'll be a few weeks or a couple of years where people go, this is awesome, the game's 140 to 130 every week. But after that, people will just start to lose interest in it because it's so ridiculous. So it's what is the sweet spot? And that's what I'd like them to identify. What are we actually trying to do? Um, it, give me the mission statement of telling me what all these changes are supposed to do because it seems to me everything they do, it's like the sub rule. At one point, the sub rule was to bust congestion and then it was to stop teams being disadvantaged when they lost a player. But they couldn't even articulate what the reason for doing the change was so I would just like them to tell me as a fan what is the what does a good game of football look like and then let me judge any changes they make based on that to to how that's going to their vision of what a good game looks like mm. well a good game for me is us winning the grand final uh Correct. 150 to zero so <laughs> my... i would win i'd like to win a grand final 15 to 14 like to me it doesn't care but i guess that's the problem because people will will generally be happy to watch their own team play any old crap but it's the problem is now unlike you know 1976 you're not just watching your own team 
you're watching everybody and it depends like a Friday night where everyone just turns off at half time and then channel seven, get the ratings and see the ratings go through the toilet. Um, like they, I would love to see the, the quarter hour or the half hour ratings on last Friday night. Um, I looked up and it was, you know, eight, two dead late in the first quarter and thought, Oh Christ, this is going to be, this is going to have people uh, changing the rules at half time. Um, that's the problem. Like they have to prop those games up and that's where, you know, potentially it could end up as a floating fixture in the future where they're, they're to the trade off to not completely stuffing up the, the game and bringing in stupid things like full ground six, six, six is that the broadcaster gets to pick with six weeks or a month's notice or whatever, what their Friday night game is. Um, and then they can decide who's going to provide the best spectacle and the best audience. Um, and that's that's the trade-off we get for not doing anything completely stupid and outrageous that totally busts the game. That um, that's coming. That they do that uh, that uh, ro- roving fixture, or whatever they call it, uh, rolling fixture uh, in the NRL, I believe. Uh, I think they might have stopped it now, but yeah, they certainly they they may still do it, but they certainly did it for a while, um, which was you know hardly popular with fans but that's also the league that's playing six o'clock friday night games so uh, i think if, if anyone's uh, more interested in the tv than the people at the ground it's certainly the nrl this friday they've got um is it this friday yeah this friday they got two games on uh, they got the um they got the uh, earlier game 420 uh, north melbourne uh, essendon and then the eagles port uh after that well, they've certainly gotten over their their concerns about <laughs> Easter, Good Friday, Friday quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Playing two games now. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, you know, it's just going to become like Anzac Day, where it's just a commodity yeah, to sell to sell ratings um, and to sell ads. Which again, I, I say this every single time. I understand why they have to do it. The alternative is you go back to a game where you've got part-time players, um, you know, working in a in a fish and chip shop until four o'clock then getting in their car and driving to training twice a week maybe and to me oh, it doesn't bother me because if we still if you took the same league and no offense to the players did that uh, what does that matter to me I don't care as a fan I'm still watching my team play um, but if, if people think the standard is not good enough now uh, imagine what it'd look like then yep um, well we'll move on um, uh any of you boys were we on TV this week with Casey? Um, no, no. So I I didn't see anything. I I read the scores at the end. Great Viney, do you know anything about uh, Casey and who played well for for the D's? Uh, well, I know one person, and you'll probably say the same person, uh, Jeffy Garlett. A welcome return to form. Uh, it's been a long time coming. So. Uh, I, look, I didn't uh, see it or follow, but uh, like you, I re- uh, just relied on uh, the reports from a few Demon Landers. Um, so, yeah, good news. Have we got... Uh, so, Jeffy, I think he had three goals, and I think what the, the good thing uh, was his defensive game. I believe he had quite a few tackles, um, which I'm sure the coach would have uh, sort of outlined to him that he needs to do. Um, anyone else? Is it enough? Is it enough to uh, – does he come back in on the back of one good game? No, no way. Can I just I chip in? North Melbourne has a rancid VFL team. Remember, they yep. kicked no goals against Casey last year in a game. 
Yep. So he, he has got to do this against better opposition. And I'm not sure who they're playing this week. Um, the, the way the VFL goes, there's probably three weeks of buys and a state game coming up. Uh, but he's got to do it consistently. There's no way I'm bringing him back in on one good performance against a horrible team. Um, well, we may as well start talking uh, changes now. Um, look, if they were considering him to come in, who would they get rid of to bring him in? That's that's what you got to sort of look at. Um, and, and is, is Jay Lockhart ready to come back? And is Jay ahead of him? Because uh, well, he Jay was ahead of him. Showed all the right signs in his games, and as Super Mercado uh, pointed out, you know Jeffy's had a lot of strikes before this one hit, so you know he's been in 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 pretty ordinary form for a long time, and it's good to see him back among the tackles and the goals. But uh, yeah, perhaps he needs to. Uh, needs to put a few more runs on the board before yeah. putting his name before the selection. And, and I'm, look, I'm very keen to have him back in that team and playing. Um, and look, I thought Spargo did a good enough job, um, did some very nice things. And again, he, he's kind of like Wiedemann. He seems to do nice things when you get the ball in his hands, but he just doesn't get the ball in his hands um, often enough. Um, but I would be perfectly happy for him to take that spot. Um, Hunt, if that doesn't work, perfectly happy to take that spot. But I just don't want to be rushing people back in to the squad on the back of one one great performance against a really bad team. Like I'm not sure who Casey plays this week, but I'm hoping it's one of the better teams, um, and then we can then we can decide uh, how how worthwhile that form was against North. Um, uh, from all reports, um, Nibbler didn't uh, set the world on fire. Um, with his game, uh, that's got to be disappointing uh, for him um, for trying to get back into the team. Yeah, he'll need, he'll need to wait his turn, I reckon. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Um, so changes, I guess I guess it depends. doesn't look like we've got... Uh, so it depends what Jeddah... Jeddah had knee soreness, that's why he was out of the game. So I guess it depends... Whether he's back from that, Lockhart apparently he did his back doing up his shoelaces at training, um, sort of had a back spasm. That's why he missed out. So, I guess it depends whether they, you know, Spargo he could replace or we don't know. It depends whether he's back. Other than that, um, and if Jetta comes back, does he replace Hall or Wagner? Hmm. Well, that's yeah. It's one. Of, it's one of those two. I think. Uh, Hall, I thought Hoare did a really good yeah. Jetta. Played a really good Jetta game. Yeah. Um, he was taking on blokes bigger than him. Um, you know, he was chipping him for a few intercept marks. So it's just sort of a shame that it's good that if Jetta comes back, and who knows if he will, given that we've got a four-day turnaround coming after it. Um, but it was kind of a shame that it's like um, you know you'd love to keep them both but are we going to be able to play them both i would prefer say to keep Hoare and to take wagner out um but i'm not sure if that will uh, if Hoare will do as well uh, playing the different role you mentioned the four day break do we pick the team this week with uh with that in mind that we have the four days coming up so that you might uh rest neville for another week so that he's fresh um come you know, uh, Anzac Eve? Uh, well, or, or do you just Hall go pick your best so team? Well, I'd say no, but yeah. given that he did, I'm actually tempted to. Um, even though I do not want to take St Kilda 
lightly. No, no, especially it's... given they've been a much better side than we have so far this year. Um, I don't want to do that, but because I think it's almost like you need to win. We need to win. Yeah. We need to win here and then go into the Richmond game a chance rather than try to play for the Richmond game, lose here, and then go into that being desperate to win. Yeah, I wasn't suggesting that, that we take St Kilda lightly. Uh, I was just got to sort of keep that in mind as well because it is a very short turnaround and it's a short turnaround for Richmond as well. Yep. Uh, I think they've got four days as well. So They're the game after us. You'll be pleased to know. So we've actually got a, a little bit of extra time. A two-hour break on them. <laughs> um, are you concerned, looking at the injury list, are you concerned that uh, both Joel Smith and Aaron Vandenberg have been four to six weeks for the last four to six weeks? Yes. Yes. Yes, and now May's two to four still. Yeah, well, no, May last week was two to three. He's now two to four, so yeah. he's blown out. He's actually blown out a, a week. Um, instead of being one to three, he's now two to four. So um, I reckon this is the, one the to injury two. list is actually the biggest news of the week for mine, and uh, the real concern is Aaron Vandenberg, who from the start of the season we've known to was always going to be four to six. He had a run uh, last week and pulled up sore. So, uh, you know, as, as much as it pains me to say it, his long-term prospects yeah. must be in serious doubt. He's never going to get a. He's never going to get the body right. Just um, doesn't doesn't look like his body's going to give him the chance to. Every year, this has happened every year, and I'll, I'll add, Joel Smith is exactly the same uh, every year. And sometimes it's been, you know, you know the the collarbone or whatever. Um, you know, obviously that's not a, a soft yeah. tissue injury, but he seems to be always out for chunks at a time. Well, I think the first injury he had last year, or in his first year as well, was the same thing. That was from a an impact injury. Yeah, yeah that was... Uh, and, then, and then one last year as well. So it. this is sort of his first tissue injury, as they say. Um, so hopefully this is the first and last one, but... It's it's making our, uh, you know, leaving him on in that JLT game look yep. even worse. Like we're still waiting for a, a WikiLeaks-style uh, revelation of whether that was what's caused his, caused his future issues or whether it's just a coincidence. But it, it doesn't look good off the bat. I mean, it's amazing. When, if you try to sort of think back to that time and you imagine what the coaches, uh, what the medical staff were thinking to themselves and, it's hard to imagine them sort of saying or concluding, well, look, he's going to be out for the better part of three months. We might as well just play him for the rest of this uh, practice match. So even that's you know, we don't know the medical, we don't know the medical um, and the science behind it. But it, uh, yeah, it, it seems bizarre in hindsight. Yeah, I think it was more like a pretty case of you know, like oh, he's he's a bit sore, but you know. We got a couple of weeks before round one. May as well leave him out there. And he did bloody well for someone who was, you know, was oh as we've yeah. as it's turned out, bloody half crippled. He did very well. So I I'm, would really like to see him as a forward again uh, with full fitness. Well, with Stephen May, two to four weeks, um, he's out still for a while. Uh, you know, it's missing this week, missing Richmond. Will likely miss Hawthorne. Uh, I'm not sure who we play after that, but uh, that's looks like he won't be back for for a while. Um, yep, came back on after he was injured. Yep, that's true. 
Uh, who do we have after that? We've that's when we play. We've got the got two two games on the road: Gold Coast and West Coast. So, looks like he won't be back until earliest Hawthorne. Um, latest, you know, Gold Coast. Gold Coast or West Coast? I hope he's back for the Gold Coast game, given that Mitch Clark never got to play against Brisbane or Fremantle, <laughs> and Lever's never got to play against Adelaide. We're really no, missing Lever, the opportunity. Lever did, did play against oh, Adelaide. No, he did yeah, play but not, against in, not in front of their home not in, that, not in Adelaide. Yeah, sorry, that's, that's yes. what I meant. It never, we've never had the chance to see if someone else can pull off the same spectacular carnival of comedy that we did uh, about Scully. <laughs> Well, um, Gold Coast are laughing all the way to the bank at the moment uh, and had Richmond lost, uh, they'd be sitting two games ahead of both uh, both May's Demons and uh, Lynch's uh, Tigers. But, um, it certainly hasn't worked out for us so far, but we've got a, got a couple, of years, couple of years in May yet to uh, hopefully get that right. Yeah, I think so. Um, are you boys worried about the Saints at all? Uh, they've had a great start to the year. Had they had they kicked an extra goal against Frio, they'd be sitting on top of the ladder. Uh, no one would have predicted that at the beginning of the year. So having said that, are you worried about the Saints, particularly because uh, they almost ended our uh, season last year as well? <laughs> Uh, not uh, not more uh, not uh, worried any more than I am about uh, any other side. So um, as I say, it'll be interesting to see how we go back on the G this week, and particularly in the hot weather um, and whether we can run. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, not a game we can um, take lightly. Yeah, I, I don't go that. I'm no more scared than I usually am. Um, and you got to remember last year. Oh, they're obviously a better side than they were last year, but we smashed them for the first 15, 20 minutes of that game. I think we were three goals to nothing up. Yep. Probably should have been further up. Um, so, you know, there's not... we've We're not running in fear of them, um, but there were things in that game last year that surely the coaches will have addressed. Um, and look, I'm more confident um, that we can we can look after them this year, I was I was very confident we could look after them last year and look what happened. Uh, but I'm confident that we can, we should win. But I'm not taking anything for granted this season. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they, <laughs> neither am I. Um, uh, boys, any anything else? Uh, oh yes, I did want to mention uh, the uh, the club released the Anzac Day uh, Guernsey. And with it, they released a, a video of uh, the Melbourne legend, uh, Ronald Dale Barassi Jr., um, opening up uh, the box that contained the Guernsey with a number 31 on the back. Uh, the Great Viney uh, was a, quite, a, quite a stirring uh, video and uh, quite an emotional one uh, from Ron, um, emo- an emotional yeah. reaction. Yes, well, it's personal for Ron, given uh, his father, of course. And um, if you're interested in the history of that, it's worth uh, chasing down a copy of the letter that the Melbourne Football Club wrote to Ron's mother um, after um, after his dad's death, and just pledging how they're going to look after look after the young boy. Um, that's uh, particularly moving, but you're right. The video is moving, and I actually like the design of the jumper. It um, it's very simple. It's only got the uh, Anzac logo on the chest, and 
the names of those uh, Melbourne Football Club players who were killed in action um, on the back. And I uh, I like it. I think it's simple and uh, simple and classy. It's got a bit of the um, a bit of a mix between the uh, the Clash Guernsey and the uh, and a normal one as well. There's yeah, a hint of disco jumper about the, it. Make yeah. the name stand out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, look, oh, look I think the jumpers the jumper looks good apart from that sort of weird disco bit down the bottom. But as you know, I love that. Um, and the general concept of it is really good, but I just think it, it really gets a bit tacky, the selling of the jumpers. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm very much hoping that, yeah, the proceeds do go somewhere, you know, somewhere appropriate. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It just feels tacky. I think we, we do a good job, um, just being involved. Um, but all these commemorative jumpers and, you know, just go straight into the shop and go for sale. It just feels really tacky to me. Like, oh, I think the players should be wearing that Anzac logo. Um, I don't think I should just be able to go go to the store and buy a jumper with that on it. Yeah, I agree with that. Are you, That's a good point. Are you just referring just to the Anzac one because of the significance of Anzac Day or are you talking about all... Um, well, I mean, the, look, the Indigenous ones and all that. I think yeah. that's obviously... Again, I'm not going to go down to the shop and buy an Indigenous jumper. I'm more than happy. Again, I'm hoping that the at least some of the proceeds from selling that jumper go to, um, you know, a good cause. Um, but, you know, it's a slippery slope to where you end up like North Melbourne where they, you know, bring out a new jumper for every day that ends in a Y. Um, and it's just a shameless cash grab. And we're not at that stage yet. We seem to do more of the commemorative jumpers, although there was that one, was it last year or the year before, where they basically sold everyone, you know, you could buy to put your name on, pay to put your name on the jumper. Um, that they wore, I reckon it was the Collingwood round 23 fiasco. Um, or no, it was actually, no, that was, it was the end of last year. It was, it was GWS, GWS last year, right? yeah, it was the, I knew uh, it was an MCG game at the end of last year. Like that's, they're the ones that are really like, oh God, like I'm, I know we have to make money, but it just, um, it just really doesn't sit well with me to be doing that. Cause like I said, you end up like North where it's basically a joke, um, where they're just bringing out a new jumper every two days. But I just think for this, from this one, I've just looked at the email I sent. It does say proceeds from each sale will be donated to the RSL's Anzac Appeal, which is good. Um, but I still just don't feel comfortable with with that being sold in a shop. How, how many proceeds go to the RSL? <laughs> exactly. Pro, <laughs> proceeds. You know, if, <laughs> if it was the profit above the cost of making it on each yep. one, um, fair enough. I mean, they're 130 bucks. Um, yeah. well, but I think the other thing, you know, they're selling them in in extra small, small, medium, large, extra large, two extra large, three extra large, four extra large. So they're not going to sell out of them because that's all. And a I, huge I think range just to follow on, to sell, so just to follow on with your point, um, it, it'd be nice if if that for that one Guernsey for the year, no sponsors logos. Yep. Have the AFL logo on one side and the Anzac logo on the other. That's yep, it. Yep, I would agree with that. Mm, and the then the problem being, of course, that. old mate Zurich, you know, they'll be like, well, we've paid however much money, well, millions of dollars. And, you know, but it would be nice. I agree. It would be nice for them to do that and then look after them, look after them another way, find another way to get their name, buddy, all over the place for that week. Um, but yeah, to, for, for this jumper just to have that a very simple jumper. Um, and again, I know what you're saying, the, that they've 
done the design so that you can see the names better on the back of the jumper. But I just think wear the standard jumper, like especially Melbourne, Richmond, just wear the standard jumper and like you say, put the Anzac logo over where the sponsor would be. Um, and look, I don't think there's a necessity. You don't need to put the names on the back of the jumper. Like these people should be like held up as, as heroes, like held up for everything they've done. Like there's, it's not a, a knock on them, but I just don't think it's necessary to put it on the back of a jumper like that's a step above in our commemoration. It just seems to be reaching for me. I would rather see the normal jumper and the stories of these men told in in every form of media we've got um, so that it is a case of less we forget, but we don't need to put it on the jumper. Yeah. Do, do all the teams in the that round of Anzac Day, they don't all have uh, the Anzac Day logo? It's probably just... Um... The the Anzac Eve and uh, Collingwood, uh, yeah, Essendon. Yep. Uh, do, do Richmond don't do a, a jumper for for? I don't believe in yeah, the games we've played. They do. I think they do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think all four clubs do. Yeah, and that's just no, I have to the me. Anzac, like, well, so they... what if you play on the? If you play two days later, you don't put the names on the back of the jumper. Like, we're not playing on Anzac Day. Yeah, you know, and I don't day. think it would make any difference if you were. I, I just don't think that's a necessary um, step to make. But okay, so if we play on the Sunday, we don't do this jumper, and you know that then that's not a bad thing. Like I don't see why, just because you play in the Anzac Day game, you need to to go to this sort of. It just seems to be stretching too far. Like I know it's all done in the best possible taste, apart from possibly the selling of them, and it's all done for the right reasons. Um, but it just almost it's it's like feels like in England how the the bloke that didn't want to wear a poppy on his shirt on Remembrance Day got bloody harassed by all and sundry because he wouldn't wear the poppy. It, it just feels like it's doing it just in case someone gets upset that you don't do it. Yeah. And now my car will probably blow up <laughs> in my uh, in my <laughs> driveway tomorrow morning. But uh, I'm standing. I'm sticking with it. Um, boys, any, anything else, uh, before we wrap it up? Um, uh, not for me. I'm, I'll be heading into hiding now. Uh, yeah, you're, uh, yes. Well, controversial we're... statements, po- podcast, <laughs> podcast host makes contentious <laughs> statements on Anzac jumper. Uh, we, we can, uh, we can, uh, erase it from the uh, broadcast if you want. Um, uh, super, where, where can people find you? Not, uh, <laughs> not well, uh, they want to harass me. They, they've got another online to do it at my current location. <laughs> well, one thing I'll say on demonwiki.org, we actually have got a quite a comprehensive list of players that served, uh, during war. Uh, and it's not just the, the players that, we all know about from the the fact that they paid the ultimate price. Um, I've actually done a lot of work over the last couple of years um, in conjunction with with a lot of the other amateur club historians in, in finding the people who just served during war as well and getting them into a list too. So I might actually, um, for the occasion, put that link up on the main page uh, of yep. the um, of the Demon Wiki, um, and I might drop it into the chat room as well because uh, I think it's really important to to yeah not just concentrate on the people who paid the ultimate price, but to, to celebrate the many, many players um, that served pretty much in every conflict from the Boer War to the Korean War. We've had players 
um, connected to the Melbourne Football Club who have served in them. So I'll get that link up uh, in the chat room as well. Very nice. All right, boys. Good uh, idea. Yeah, excellent idea. If you want to start a thread on Demonland about it as well, uh, you're welcome to do that. Uh, I think that's a very yep. interesting topic and that uh, those people deserve, uh, you know, the highest recognition. All right, boys. Um, it's been uh, been lovely uh, reminiscing about actually a good thing for, for once, uh, you know. I almost had forgotten uh, what it was like to, to win. Um, I don't. We hadn't had a win since uh, the final last year, yes. the semi-final last we, we year. We were on about a six-game losing streak. So uh, no, we're obviously including JLT, which uh, for us means a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, great to get a win, and hopefully uh, we can be back uh, next week uh, talking about another victory. So. Um, Thank you, boys. Thank you, Super Mercado. Thank you, Great Viney. And thank you uh, to B-Man who called in. And we'll see you, you next week. Go Days.